COVID vaccinations for no longer neutral. Black Lives Matter, whether it's a hash. Can't take it no longer. It's minority children that are suffering the most. Begin to have real conversations. No, no longer, longer neutral. neutral. Thank you for tuning in to No Longer Neutral. Please don't forget to follow and rate our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at No Longer Neutral. And I am Dr. A.D. Hey, I am Dr. Sharice Roper. And I am Dr. Michael Haygood. I was trying to make a bell. Did you hear the bell ring? (laughs) It's the start of the new school year, y'all. What's going on? What's happening? What do you think? We're opening up a new school year. Yes, that is our topic for today. Opening of the new new school school year. year. How did it go? It went well. It went well. Of course, I'm at a place where, um, you know, it's a year-round program, but we traditionally still do sort of a hype thing with our students to kind of get back in uh, this full swing of an academic year. Uh, The summer is over where we've done a lot of enrichment activities. And so, you know, more parents are enrolling this time of year than ever across the nation. And so, you know, as we look for children carrying their new backpacks and wearing their new, you know, cute Walmart clothes Mm -hmm. that they just got, you know, I miss all that, by the way. Do y'all miss that? Yeah. You know, I I, in elementary school. I had to um, wear a uniform. Ah. So that wasn't so much fun until I think sixth grade I went to a public school. But I I used to get anxiety about the first day. How about you? Yeah, meeting the new teacher, you know, trying to figure out who's going to be in my class, which students I saw last year on the yard are going to be in my room. Right. The kind of things I remember, you know, where am I going to rank as far as like the other kids in the room? Who's going to be the, you know, am I the going to be the kid in the room with the best kickball skills. Right, 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 right. That was really right, important. Right. That was kickball, that was really kickball important and tetherball was very yes. important. That ruled the play. Yes, you know, I think for me it wasn't as stressful because, or I didn't have as much anxiety, I should say, because back then you could go to summer school without having to be one supposedly that needed summer mm, school. Got it. And so my mother, she was a single mother. She was like, you guys are going to summer school. Every year. So you knew all the yeah. kids, you know, because anyway. you just finished seeing them like maybe two weeks or so before school yeah. started. But I I really liked that whole summer school thing too. It seemed like it was fun because it was less kids. Yeah. You got to, um, I think, be more, you got to know the teachers better. Certainly. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so I was always like really excited, of course, to see who was going to be in the room with me and stuff. Um, but already knew a couple of the kids and stuff because I think they used to send for us something home mm-hmm. that told you yes. where your class Absolutely. was going to be and stuff. And I think you had and a then roster. you sweat yes. all summer, especially if you had that one teacher that didn't that you want, didn't really no think wanted to be in that didn't want to be with I, that I, one. I, I think about some of the best teachers that I had. You know, thinking back now, they were strict, but they were so well organized. Uh-huh. I think that's why I was so successful. You know, they. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, I really um, felt safe in classrooms where teachers were structured and organized. You're right where I think we want to go in this dialogue. We've been talking a lot about students and the perception of us being students. You know, we can go all the way back and remember those things. Now let's flip it and talk about teachers. What are the expectations? that I think that, you know, from a teacher's perspective, that you want to set up the beginning of the new year? What do you want your children to feel at the beginning of the year? And what should you be doing to set up you having a good year for the entire year? Why don't you share, like, at the preschool kind of 
early childhood level, and then I can kind of chime in on that older range of kids. Right. So because preschool early learning sets the tone, I would definitely want teachers to model you know, what the expectation is for the K through 12 setting, because at the end of the day, we're gearing our students to be prepared for, you know, uh, K through 12, K through five, or kindergarten at least. So I would, I would want a teacher, what I would expect a teacher to do is spend some days setting um, the classroom norms, making sure that, you know, the children are clear what the expectations are, engaging activities, getting to know the students, icebreakers, right. classroom mm-hmm. management, know which students, you know, you're, you're there. It's some kind of assessment, mm-hmm. you know, seeing where students are, gauging, you know, their skill set level, letting the teachers know who you are. You know, and, and as early as preschool and kinder, you the challenging part is making sure you can identify the children. Right. right. Know their names. Get to know who's sitting amongst you and make sure that they can even say your name. Right. Let right. them know the you know, what the room number is, where the restrooms are. This is how we transition from group to group. So it's, those few days are so important because how you start the year, and I, and I know this to be true from when I was a teacher, how I started the year is how my year predicted how the year would go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, I'm like most relationships. And right. you were talking a lot about routines. What are some of those routines for older kids, Sharice? I think the same thing for sure is, you know, making sure that you know what the rules are. But more importantly, as they get older, that they participate in um, naming the rules, right? What do you think makes for a successful class? And ask your students to join in on creating that. Keep the rules and the uh, management uh, things simple mm-hmm. and short. Attainable. Right? You know, you don't need 25 to 50 rules that they're not going to remember. Right. You know, three, four like is enough. <laughs> that sounds like prison. Or marriage. <laughs> no, or marriage. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's enough to get them to, you know, be able to do. And then also as kids get, well, actually not even as they get older, you have got to build in time for students to communicate and work with each other. That's what I was going to say. That's my if, skill. If I love students, that. If you do not You're, provide yeah. opportunities for them to speak to one another, share thoughts with one another, and especially if you don't do it early. Absolutely. Then like you mentioned, Dr. Davis, the rest of that year is going to be chaos. Absolutely. Because they need, I mean, especially at an elementary school, they're in that one class with that one teacher the whole year, right? And so they have to have opportunities to move around. They have to have opportunities to share with one another. Set those expectations on how to work in a group. Absolutely. And do that early. And if you do it early and you're not afraid, this is the one thing that people don't say that I think people need to really hone in on. Kids pick up your energy. Have you ever been in a class where the teacher is, okay, we got it, and the rules, and the kids, they just do, boom, boom, boom. Then you go in another class, and the teacher does not know what is going on. Those kids are doing everything. (laughs) If you are nervous, right, your kids will have nervous energy. And unorganized. Children feel it. Children feel it. If you are confident, you will have students who feel confident in your classroom. And a lot of that comes with preparation. Absolutely. You can ease your own sort of tense and, you know, your stress level and Mm -hmm. how you present to children if you're ready. 
you know, don't wait to the moment that it's time to go in the classroom at the beginning of the year and you haven't prepped for at least a couple of weeks. Right. To get not just that room ready, but you ready. And then also I would add, you know, you've both been speaking about relationships either at the early learning level or either at the elementary, middle, and high school level. And what I notice most about the relationships in which some children and young people have a problem in classroom settings I think are is because they don't know their teacher. Mm-hmm. Take the time to get your, let your kids know, know who, who you are. are. Yes. You yes, know what I mean? You're yes. a real person. I remember my son was so afraid of his first grade teacher and literally had nightmares of this woman on skates driving to our home with a bat, you know, right. in a nun's outfit. I think I mentioned that early on another podcast. And I think it was because he didn't know who, this teacher was. He didn't know her. He didn't know that she had children. He didn't know right. that she went to Ralph's Market on the weekend and couldn't find the right tangerines. Whatever that level of comfort is that you want to share with your students, share it. Right. Because the more they know about you, they more the more they know about your right. background, Absolutely. what you went through in school, the challenges you had in school, they will be able to relate to that. The fact that you're not perfect, that you're you yes. too are learning. And that you're learning but from But you have them. to be present. You but more be- importantly, and the last thing I wanted to say connected to what you said, Sharice, was that relationship of having kids feel like, after all, they're going to be with you eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Eight hours a day. Almost as much as they will be with their own families. So therefore, build the family relationship within the classroom. Right. Have children have respect for each other, feel safe with each other. If you don't build that early on, then, yeah, the playground will invest in your classroom. The playground issues will take over your classroom when you come back right, from right. recess. Well, I have a question for you, a poll but between the two of you all. What do you think it matters what a teacher wears on the first day? Yes. Yes. According to grade level or just one standard uh, appearance? Uh, well, you know, I just did the sub eight orientation. You know, with early, and, and one of the things that's in the actual PowerPoint is about, you know, I tell women all the time, and I'm really careful about making sure I'm not sexist in my statements. But little kids, you know, especially in preschool, they love boobies. Yes. And they will hug right up against them. And so I have to talk to young women who even come to the orientation in low-cut blouses with, you know, major stuff hanging out. And I have <laughs> to say, hey, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? These children are going to make sure that even though you are dressing for comfort because the teaching profession Typically is a is a is a comfort area. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. Sharice is over here cracking up at me. You don't want to also not appear to be professional, but also be comfortable. And you know why I'm laughing is because he mentioned the women, but I remember seeing men that their pants were too true, tight and all true. of that is just out because the kids those. are at the they are at the bottom of yeah. your body, yeah. right? <laughs> Most uh, hugs happen yeah. right there and all that stuff. Very true. So that was like funny that you just mentioned the women, but the woman notices the other stuff. That's, that's, true. that's absolutely true. Absolutely. But definitely, I think, um, I think it just sets the tone a little bit and I'm not saying you've got to have on a suit and a tie and all of that stuff, but I do think that the first day of school, something that appears more professional, because the other thing that happens is your parents are also coming on the first day. And that's middle school and high school too, because you've got even high school parents who are coming and they're, you know, maybe enrolling for the first time and they just want to see the teachers and all of that. And you kind of, there's a, you know, I feel like, and I'm not saying that you can't have on, shorts but maybe you don't want the shorts that are so you know you know daisy Daisy dukes Dukes and all of that Or maybe if you're a guy and you wear earrings maybe you know you don't wear the ones that dangle from your ears on the days that you decide to wear them because you know 
earrings have become a thing now where it's become more com- comfortable in professional settings. Although I don't choose to still do that with my suit on when I go to work. I know that what I try to teach little boys is there's an appropriate dress style when you go to work. Appropriateness for me is the word. It just needs to be, you can't wear what you would wear to the club. Right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or you shouldn't. Or you shouldn't. You can, but you shouldn't. You can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I do. And I, I, I went to see some schools, and I was just so impressed with, you know, the men on campus. They came, they were present, they showed up, suit, tie, shirt and tie, mm-hmm. or just maybe just a neat, very neat appearance that they mm-hmm. did come Before. for, they came for representation, and right. I was so impressed by that. But um, you know what, and I'll add to this, uh, I was at a school this past week, and um, I was deployed because I work centrally in the central office, but even at this particular school, even the office manager... And the yard supervision people were dressed in polo shirts, Mm. nice, neat khaki pants, um, belt shirt in. And I was like, wow, okay. And it was a middle school where I was. And so I felt like they were setting the tone, especially because middle school is that place where, you know, the kids are kind of not yet. Weird a little bit. Yeah. I've worked at every age level except for middle school. Yes, yes. But you could see that the kids were like, huh, okay. (laughs) And they were, you know, and it was the first week, of course, you know, honeymoon period is not over yet. But, um, they set the tone, and, and the school ran very smoothly the entire week. That's great. Mm-hmm. Kudos to all those schools that are off to their first year, uh, first first week running and yes. off to a good start. Good for you. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. What's our yeah. second subject, our second topic tonight? Well, I was looking through Instagram, and I see this big commotion about Tamar and her new bo- her new beau. Uh-oh. They, they call Tamar him Jr. Tamar Braxton, yes. What's she got going on. Well, she's dating a man. Okay. They call him Jr. His name is Jr. And he's an attractive man, but he's you know he's a white male, mm-hmm. white man. And so I'm listening to the feedback where black women. Well, I, I can assume they're black women because of their names on the Instagram. They're saying, "Go, girl, you go, you go, you go." Mm-hmm. So you know, I had a conversation with a guy, a black man, and he is so offended mm-hmm. behind Kamala Harris or Susan Rice, like people in political positions entertainers who are dating white men and I think we've talked about this before so it seems like this is just going to keep happening well Michael you're you're your product of interracial mm-hmm. um, marriage mm-hmm. so do you think your dad was not true to the black race because he married a white woman or what yeah, do you think? It's totally not comparative at all um, because of the years and the the uh, rebellious notion to even get married to a white woman and a white woman to a black man in West Virginia in 1960, whatever, and to have babies was not even thought of. So that leap of faith feels like love more than it does an act of I'm dating someone in 2022 because I fall in love with a uh, white man and now I'm at that level where I can date a white man and now it's seen as a very beneficial thing. You know, I think that's looked at now within, um, and this particular example seems like it is actually speaking of a come up. Like somehow you got to you know, come unquote, up because you got what a white man. White men are supposed to be the dominant a, race. The only thing that I would offer to the conversation is True. as a product of any of that is that people take that very seriously because the product of love or the actual product of, of conception 
you know, having babies, because when you have children in the name of a trend or in the name of, you know, I just want to see what this is like, you know, you have to remember that that, mm-hmm. that product that you have now brought to the planet, it's vital that they know who they are and that they weren't just something that you thought was a trend. Well, you know, I hate to just have to say it, but, you know, black men are just not loving on black women from my perspective, the way that we feel like um, it needs to happen at the ratio that it needs to happen. Don't look at me because I wouldn't be one. (laughs) I'm not in that pool. (laughs) And so I I feel like, you know, kudos to you if, you know, if, if you can't find within the race that you want or to be in, maybe, or that is or a part of, love, you. if love, love finds love. you, it just finds you. And I do believe that in today's society, we really talk about, well, okay, if we go back to school, we're educators. We talk about diversifying. We talk mm. about um, making sure that everybody is inclusion. aware of yes inclusion and culturally responsive mm-hmm. pedagogy mm-hmm. so that everyone respects everyone mm-hmm. so if we're really trying to do that then what difference does it make absolutely right because now we are pre- basically bringing about this world of all colors so when i think about them i think about bridgerton Right, mm-hmm. that mo- that show that mm-hmm. that did I say that wrong? You did. No, did you say, you said Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that show the queen is black, the mm-hmm. king is white, mm-hmm. the family mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, she mm-hmm. marries the black mm-hmm. guy, and so it's just and it's just all. Cat mixed. Williams says that interracial marriage and mm-hmm. interracial con- the conception of interracial people is what's going to stop racism. That's what he really believes. Absolutely, absolutely. It seems like it's a problem. I'm hearing it a lot from black men. That, that you know. Yeah, that, you know. But isn't it kind of like the pot calling? It's uh, the kettle. It, thank you so much. The, uh, right. I hate that term, but I have to say <laughs> I know, but it's the truth. But it's you the truth. you get what I'm saying? Like, it for so many truth. years, yeah. and, you right. know, men, I mean, you know, women have been blasting black mm. men for all the running across the fence, which right. I don't think the running across the fence now has ever felt like love to black women. I think it felt like they were running from us. Yeah. Yes. And, and so now yes. we're like, ah ha ha, we got it. Okay, love is love. Right. We're gonna join you with that. But I don't think that's the same message. <laughs> that sounds like, <laughs> like since y'all can do it, we gonna do it too. I don't think that the, the women I, that I know that's I, dating uh-huh. others now, yeah. it was kind of a thing where you know what? I've tried this. This didn't work for me. I need to be more open, open. because right. I want to have a family. Yeah. Right. I want to be married. And guess what? There's and a meaningful a, relationship. A millions of men on this earth they're just not all black so right. why would i entertain love from who loves me and i want to love back that's it absolutely absolutely, absolutely yeah. i do want to give you a little bit though michael on the idea that we need to make sure that um when you're having these children that you are exposing them to all sides of both cultures as well as other cultures out there because absolutely. they may be deciding to date date someone who isn't even black or white Right? It's just a whole melting pot. So I'm loving it. I am too. And it also brings me back to where do you think we are now? Because I remember when black men were dating um, outside of their race so heavily. And it was 
typically you know, like athletes and entertainers, mm-hmm. people who basically had moved up into the financial status of being more upper echelon were the people that were typically dating outside of their race. Do you think that that's still happening a lot? And is it still bothering black women as a whole? Well, or see, have, I don't know, because now, I mean, you know, like, like, like I don't want to say like now, but, you know, what scandal, you know, mm. what it showed Carrie Washington and Olivia Pope, you know, well-educated. Right. Well, I think she, in her character, I think she did go to Howard. I believe she was an HBCU grad, and she went to law school, and then she fell in love with two t- top-ranking military guy and the president. You know right. what I mean? So I think what it did show black women, black girls, is like, oh, okay. I can mm-hmm. reach high in any kind with any kind of professional man that I want to date, and it can be white. So, to you, what I'm hearing from a lot of black men is that it is the women of status and clout and well educated. They're the ones that's going over to the white men. That's what I'm hearing. That's, that's the controversy. Yeah, I hear. when I go out in the world and I'm at public places, I see obviously all of us do many more interracial couples. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also seeing a certain freedom that's coming along with that. When I see them, I remember my mom telling me stories about when they would take us to Disneyland. We were kids and, you know, just picture it. You know, my mom who obviously is a white woman. My father is a black man and we would be with my white mom. They were already divorced. We were in California. And I remember, you know, her telling stories when I got older and it was, you know, old enough to be able to handle some of the situations that she would tell me about. We would go to Disneyland and so forth. But she said people would just look strangely at us because, you know, there here's these two physically looking black children with, you know, big afros or low afros or, you know, hair braided or whatever. And my brother has blonde hair like my mom. Mm-hmm. So it was just quite a scene. And she said she remembered the looks and, you know, some people would even say certain things that were very negative. Right. You know, she endured a lot of those kinds of things. But at the same time, I don't think as much of that is happening now. Right, right. Which reminds me of sort of like how I think gay people are now kind of popping ourselves out of the woodworks and actually holding hands on the street. I saw that, you know, I'm seeing that much more readily now. And people are becoming much more accepting. I'm just still at the place where I don't know, because I'm not a black woman. I don't have the pulse on where the sort of the black women have y'all gotten over it. Is it, is it? I think I'm over it because now that I see, mm-hmm. you know, I see. And is it something to even get over? Like, you know I'm, what I mean? I, I think there was a time when I was, when I think when I was at USC, mm-hmm. you know, when, mm-hmm. you know, I was interested in dating. Well, I was dating a college student. So that luckily I had somebody. But, you know, it, just, it did seem that when I went to campus at USC, guys who may have been traditionally from the hood, played on the football team. And now and like, oh, here's the opportunity. That, I, what were the messages? At the time, was, it, I felt betray, like it was betrayal. I did. Yeah, I remember. I remember mm-hmm. at SC, OJ and Marcus Allen was there on campus, and I was with my girlfriends, all black, and they just looked at us and turned their heads. But they had the blonde girls jumping on their backs. They were giving them piggyback rides, and they were swinging from mm-hmm. their necks, and you know, all kind of twirling them around and all this kind of stuff. But they just looked at us and kind of, you know, ignored us. So I didn't feel a thing for OJ when it happened to him because I was so bitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest. Yeah. What about you, Sharice? Have you ever internalized any of like a negative message or value attached to so many black men dating outside their race, and particularly white women? Not, not really. Like there might have been, like if I really felt like, um, 
like let's say that you see this couple and, and there might have been these times when you'd be like, so if you're going to go that way, could you could you have gotten somebody who, you know, because <laughs> yeah, maybe right. I just felt like, eh, and you, you know, chose that? right, oh, okay. right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, but it it wasn't so much the relationship, just kind of like, you know, at that time, if you're going to go there, you might as well, you know, right. go all right. the way kind right. of a thing. Right. But, you know, um, I just, you know, I, I think Even we. Even that grading tells me that, yes, there has to have been some residue there. Yes, yes, the yes. Because I have done that, too. Like, you know, looked at, like certain people and said, oh, that's such an odd physical looking. Right, right, right. I can see why you would use that for this scenario. Right. I think one of the things that sort of has always benefited me as a biracial person, even though, you know, most people look at me, I'm black, they see I'm black, they might know something else is going on, but I don't really disclose that until my friends get to know my family and so forth. And I'm not something that I run away from at all, but I think what's really important is to come back to that piece of, just making sure that when you have children, you know, those people would actually, mm -hmm. you know, um, become couples or actually have children, that they really do take that seriously and, you know, have some responsibility and accountability for how you're going to talk about race right, with right. your children in America because now they are duly raced. Right. <laughs> and hopefully, work, on you know? top of that, hopefully our school system is doing a better job these days than what it was when we went to school Correct. because you can no longer, you know, we talk a lot about culturally responsive mm -hmm. education in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully kids see themselves and they see biracial, you know, mm -hmm. couples Good in point. books and Good around point. the room Absolutely. and all of that kind of stuff too, right. uh, because that is also important. Yeah. Each child's experience is important. We have to bring that to the conversation with no matter what book you're reading for the week. Right. You know, know the children and know their families, know who they come from, know who they are, know what's important to them, what makes them up, you know, what makes up them. That cultural perspective right. is so important for all kids and gets them interested in learning. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. There should be books in your rooms. This is the last thing. Yeah. <laughs> that also speaks to, you know, I have two moms. Absolutely. I have two dads. Absolutely. Right. All of the things that we know and we see that is in our world. We need to talk about um, inclusion, students with special needs. We need to, um, within our classrooms, help kids to know that we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. And we should celebrate all of it. Yeah. And right? I, I, which brings to mind, I have to actually throw this in before we leave today. Mm -hmm. Someone just brought a topic to me, and I know we can certainly delve into it next time, but I want you guys to consider this as we leave, and hopefully we can talk about this next time. Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union's right. baby, they're actually Zaya? transgender. Yeah, they just changed her name. Yeah. Oh. And am I, uh, someone that I know very well, we were having this debate about it, and they were... Their stance was, I don't know that this child would have transitioned so early at 12 had it not been for Dwayne and Gabrielle Union's money, right? pushing or uh. status or money or resources. And so it became a conversation around when it would be a good time to transition. And is there an age to do that? Because... You know, certainly some children who may need to transition or have already felt that way or always felt that they're needing to be the gender that they feel, have always felt. 
that would be very hard for someone comparatively, let's say, for instance, in a one single family home with a mom who works, who is not talking to the child, who doesn't have those resources to talk about what transgender is. That's a whole different conversation. So, so I have a question, Michael, because yeah. I don't know this. Is there ever a time where you, you feel that way at a certain age? as you're developing, and then it changes? That's a great question. And the only reason I say it's a great question is because I am obviously not transgender, and I never um, want to speak for that community. Right. Um, I can only tell you what it has been like for me as a gay man, which uh-huh. I think does have similar comparisons, but not okay. a total comparison. Okay. And mm-hmm. I think that um, my son, for instance, had asked me before, when and asking even about my own sexuality, he was wondering... Um, have I always felt this way? Was it always been? And I thought to myself, he's so right about asking that question because most people think that it's the same for every single person. And And even though we have these labels that put us in boxes of gay and lesbian and heterosexual and binary and all these things, it still doesn't identify the fingerprint of who I am though sexually or sexually based. And what I mean by that is we are so different and imprinted by God to be so different, but yet we want to make everything the same. There is no general statement. So Mm -hmm. I can say to you that there are people who today identify as gay or transgender, and they probably would tell you that they were not, they have never felt that they were born that way. I do know some people that are that. that, I I do too, that that they actually chose that they wanted, let's say, for instance, a woman, I know a, a friend of mine, a woman who's had some issues with men and rape. And she did not. Mm. She didn't feel comfortable being around men. Now, is that the norm? Obviously, no. Because what I just said was every single instance is different. But I do know for me, I've always felt like I was born this way. That I came to the planet with these feelings. I don't ever remember being attracted to girls like I've been attracted to boys. Okay. Ever. Okay. Even mm-hmm. when I was a little boy. So that was always been true for me, but it's not been the same for everyone. You see right. What yeah. I mean? Yes. Yeah. So it's hard to answer that. You would also actually, but there has been people that say, yeah, sure. okay. I think that's the minority. I think the minority of people would say that they actually, you know, maybe attracted to both. We have people that oh, are attracted yeah, yeah. to both. Remember we want to forget about bisexual people. Um, and now there's titles. I think that those, I think that's actually the reason for some of those titles. Coming. Okay. Because right, people right. weren't so feeling represented. Into anything, yeah. They didn't feel like they belonged in any of those boxes that we were labeling. So now people, are, I think, are starting to just self-identify, and I think that's healthy. And you know what? To bring that back to where we started with um, interracial couples, mm-hmm. it's probably the same for there are some people that mm-hmm. just know within them that mm-hmm. I'm only attracted to black men mm-hmm. or black women, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then there are others who are like, I'm f- I'm open to other things, always have been, right? Right. That kind of thing. So, because what's conditioning? You know, some of it is conditioning. Absolutely, absolutely. Like nurturing in nature is 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 existent in everything. Yes, your gender and your sexuality. Wow! Wow, we've discussed a lot today. Such a good good session, you guys. Great session. Take us out, Ayana. Hey, so listen. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at No Longer Neutral and rate us. Subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll absolutely see see you you later. Soon later. (laughs) Bye, y'all.